Why does it feel like God hears everyone but me? About 11 years ago, my husband and I lost our third baby to miscarriage. At the time, all of the women in my small group were expecting. And while we all live in different places now, there are three little boys who spent their childhoods being the very best of friends from that group. And one of them was not mine. There would have been four. One day in church, some months after our miscarriage, I sat surrounded by babies. Some were newborns, others yet to be borns, but none of them were mine. I closed my eyes to drown out the sights and realized in that moment that my hand was resting on my stomach. Now, you may know if you're a mom that consciously or unconsciously, women all over the world rest their hands on their stomach when they're pregnant as if to speak to or comfort or reassure the life that they carry. And I did it that day too, even though the life inside of me had been gone for several months. As if placing my hand over my stomach could somehow connect me with the life I'd wanted, I held it there and felt my loss. If someone had handed me a baby in that moment, I would have lost control right there in the middle of church. Thankfully, no one did. Instead, I sat on the pew surrounded by friends, but still completely alone. My pain had taken me by surprise that day. I just wasn't prepared to feel the loss of my little ones so keenly right there in the pew. Life had gone on since we had the miscarriage, but grief tends to find us in unexpected places. I have found that pain, disappointment, and challenge tend to make me question the God who made me, especially when I'm surrounded by people whose prayers he seems to take joy in answering while he doesn't seem to be answering mine. This is the important discussion that we're going to have on today's show. I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend. Prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey, all are welcome here. Let's get started. Do you ever feel like you're on an emotional roller coaster? Like the circumstances of your life make it almost impossible to live in a state of consistent peace? Jesus warned us in John 16, 33, that his followers could expect to have trouble in this life. But the good news is that he left us his peace. Not peace like the world gives, but peace that surpasses our ability to understand where it came from. You can have that kind of peace. And in the newest prayer journal for Million Praying Moms, you'll learn how. Everyday Prayers for Peace is available for pre-order now. Purchase your copy just in time for the holiday season or visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com to download the first day's devotion and prayer absolutely free. Before we dive in, I just want to say hey there to my dear friend Stacy Thacker, who is joining us again today from sunny Florida. How are you? 
Well, you know, Brooke, I don't want to be predictable always, but it is sunny in sunny Florida today as if it wouldn't be. But I did pull out my favorite flannel shirt. It's wrapped around my waist more than I'm wearing it today, but I am pretending and enjoying the weather such that it is in Florida. How about you? What's going on with you? It's good. We are good here today. I was having this memory though. I think it might've been the first time I have been down to Florida to visit you a few times. And while it's been too many years since I've actually like laid eyes on you face to face, I remember it was, I think maybe the first time that I flew in to Florida and you picked me up and it was raining. And I remember you saying, well, this is not the way sunny Florida is supposed to be when you come and visit it. So it just, it reminded me when you said, well, it's sunny here in sunny Florida, that sometimes it's not sunny in sunny Florida. It's true. And we are all still recovering from a recent major hurricane. So when I say it's predictable, I'm actually really glad that it's predictable right now because um, it's been a crazy fall, but In fact, it was the hurricane that really broke the humidity for us. And so I've been processing that with the Lord. And, you know, on the other side of that major storm, we've we've had some really great weather. But but yeah, next time you come, I'll I'll order you up some really great weather. That'd be great. No humidity, though. That's the part that I don't like. That's that's the part that I would really struggle with because it would be a constant bad hair day. Like I would just have to wear my hair in a ponytail the entire time. There would be no fixing my hair while I was there, if it was super high humidity. That's why I wear my hair up pretty much all summer here in Virginia, because I I don't actually live that far from the coast. So we still get some pretty humid days here too. Well, it kind of of plays into our our question today where we talk about, does God really listen and does he answer our prayers? But I want to dive in today. And the question is exactly, why does it feel like God hears everyone but me? Yeah, I think most of us can relate to that. And I certainly can, as I shared earlier. But I want to start off this conversation by just like throwing this out there as a caveat that what we're going to talk about today is a little bit challenging. I think I speak for both of us, Stacey, when I say that we would rather be sitting down in front of you over coffee while we have this talk so that you could see our eyes and hear our hearts and facial expressions and all the things that go into a total package of communication. I hope that over the years, I've earned your trust enough so that when we talk to you today um, and tell you that you may have a misunderstanding about something important as it relates to your faith walk, you'll know that we're saying it in love. So that's you know issue number one. I wish you could see my face. I hope that you can hear my compassion and love in my voice. The next thing I want to do is just reshape that question a little bit. Now, I want to say these questions that we're answering, they came from real people. These are questions that I have collected over the years that readers and listeners and just people who have engaged with Million Praying Moms over the years have asked about prayer. So this was a real question that someone asked, and it was the way they worded it. But I want to reshape it just a little bit because I think what we're really saying or asking with this question is that we don't believe God hears our prayers. So what we're asking is, why does God seem to hear everybody's prayers except for mine? What we're actually asking is, why God don't you hear my prayers? And it's a subtle distinction, but I think it's important for us. It represents the heart level issue behind the question that we don't necessarily have a correct understanding 
of our place in God's plan. So that's what we're going to dive into today. I, I told the story at the beginning of our time together about the time immediately after my husband and I uh, lost our third baby to demonstrate that I really do get where this question is coming from. In fact, I actually tell that whole story of our miscarriage and the healing that God brought me through inside of the book that we co-wrote together, Stacy called Unraveled, Hope for the Mom at the End of Her Rope. Part of what happened inside of me during that time was that I began to suspect that God wanted to be good to everyone but me. That was the little seed of doubt that the enemy planted in my mind as I sat there in the midst of all of my friends who were either, you know, either had newborns or were on the verge of having newborns that day. And you and I covered that in one of the previous questions in this series. So if you're just hopping in with today's, go back and and listen to that one as well, because it is foundational. It is a foundational conversation to this one. So it'll be in the show notes if you need a link to it. We also talked some last week about the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. And I want to just like, before we go any deeper, I want to remind us as a, again, as a foundation of the quote that I offered in that episode. And then I want to take it even deeper as we go on with their story in her talk on the Lord's prayer concerning why God allowed her husband, Jim, to be murdered by the very Indian group he was trying to reach with the gospel. Elizabeth Elliot felt like God said, I am working on the bringing in of a kingdom, and I have a whole lot of other people in mind besides you and your fatherless child. Now, Stacy, you and I are talking today. You are in sunny Florida, and I am in the mountains of Virginia. We were born in different parts of the country, but we're still both born and raised Americans, right? We live in, on the same continent in the same country. We have listeners who are from everywhere. We have them from Australia, Canada, the United Kingdom, even India, which is just amazing to me. What I know about us, though, you and I, is that we were raised to believe that the individual is greater than the group. And that is not the same way that all people are taught in other countries. But here in America, we are very much the individual is more like my plans are better than the group's plans. My needs are more important than the group's needs. My kingdom success or the building of a life that I believe is best for me, my independence, my story, that should be the most important thing to me. And because of that, I have this expectation that maybe is born in me or was birthed in me just because of where I was born, that I expect God to do what's best for my kingdom. But as Christians, we represent a different kingdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what you're saying, if I can uh, reframe it, is that I think that we see from such a limited perspective, we see such a small part of what the visible course is, even just in our own lives, but factor in everybody else's as well as that God's kingdom is so much bigger than just our kingdom. I think our perspective, and I mean, obviously and truly uh, legitimately skewed, um, we need a bigger perspective. And that's that I think is what you're talking about right here. Mm -hmm. It is. And, and it is true that God wants to do what's best for us, but that's not necessarily the same thing as what, as, as him doing what we want him to do all the time. The way that God does what's best for us is by doing what's best for his kingdom as a whole. 
So we can always, this is actually good news. We can always believe that God will do what's best for us because we know that he's going to do what's best for him and what's best for him and his kingdom is what's best for us. Mm. That is when learning to trust him matters so much. So, so much. And honestly, when we do, it makes it easier to say yes to whatever his answer is to our prayers, but it doesn't necessarily make it easy. It's easier, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. Right. And I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I mean, how old are you now, Stacey? Mm, that's a risky question on the mic there, Brooke McLaughlin. I <laughs> am 51, actually. Okay. So that's a long long time to be working over these answers to these questions. Okay. So you're longer than you, dear. Slightly longer, (laughs) slightly longer, which is why I love to listen to your wisdom. But, you know, you and I both have been trying to trust the Lord on our journeys, respectively, 51 years and 44 years. We have been trying to say yes to God. We have been trying to trust him all this time. Would you say that it has ever been easy to do that? When when God has said, I need you to trust me right here, has it ever been easy? Because you do have seven years on me. So maybe, maybe you've gotten to the point now where it is easy. I'm not there yet. I, I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm not there yet. No, no, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it's easier. I, I think it's, it, it falls into something you've said before. And I echo that is that there are so many things that are easier said than done. Like we can say, Hey, this is one of those things where I can say, Oh, just trust the Lord, you know, trust it as his best. And really experientially, you have to go through it. You have to learn this process. And I know much of the time that when I come to God in prayer, especially when I'm concerned that he's not hearing me or answering me the way that I want him to, is that I have an answer I'm really hoping for. I mean, don't we just all come with our own script? Like, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray about this, but here's what I really want. I've already written it down. I've already noted it. <laughs> I've already given you all the you know addendums to it, the, the different scenarios is that we always come with our own version of what we think should be the answer or how God or when he should answer it, how quickly he should answer it. Um, I think we all come with that. I mean, I, I, I'm i guessing that you are similar. I am very similar. And I, I would say that on some level, it has gotten easier, as you said, to trust the Lord over the years, but only because I have seen him be faithful so many times in the past now. Think about this from the perspective of our kids. If this gives you any insight into your children's hearts, at 44 and 51, we are still struggling to trust the Lord. So why would they not be struggling to trust the Lord? You know, I think I look at my 17-year-old and I just really, you know, sometimes, I mean, he actually is quite a bit more mature in his faith at 17 than I think maybe I was at 17. But I still wish he was further along, right? Like I I wish that he could see things the way I can see it after having walked with the Lord for this long. But it's kind of unrealistic that they would be able to be that mature in their faith because they just haven't walked it out yet. And the things that you were saying, like going to the Lord and and having a specific answer or outcome, like this is what I want, Lord. This is what I'd like to have. That's the process of asking the Lord to build your personal kingdom or to build my personal kingdom. But when we say yes to Christ, we lay down the right to do that. 
unfortunately, we pick it up over and over and over again because we want what we want and we want to build our own kingdoms. But ultimately, we lay down the right to our own personal kingdom and give our lives over to his. It's easy for us to forget about that. God doesn't begrudge us asking for what we want or what we need, but the correct posture for prayer is always just like that of Jesus before he was crucified. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And this is at the heart of the question that we're tackling today. And I think to find real answers that actually make a change, not just a surface level change, but that actually change the way we live our lives, we always have to get to the heart of the question. It isn't that God isn't hearing our prayers, friends. It's that he isn't answering them the way we think he should. There's so much truth in that. But it does take time. And we're all learners here. Brooke and I are learners and you're a learner. And um, we just get to kind of trudge through this together. So it's always nice to have, it's always nice to have a buddy, right? Mm -hmm. So how would you wrap this up, Brooke, as as we're moving towards kind of wanting to bring this all to one major takeaway? How would you wrap this up? Here's the truth, guys. God is always hearing your prayers. Always. He is hearing your prayers. Psalm 116.2 says that he's the God who bends down to listen. He is not out there in heaven land, you know, distracted by what's happening in Susie Q's life or someone that's more important than you. He is big enough to be able to hear all of our prayers and to answer our prayers, all of our prayers in his perfect way. So it's unreasonable to think based on what we know about God's character That just because God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want him to means that he isn't hearing them. He is. He might just not be giving us the answer we want because it isn't part of his bigger plan. We hold on tightly to our tiny kingdoms with our tiny fists raised to God in defiance and hurt, not realizing that his kingdom is so much bigger than anything we can see or taste or touch or feel. We're part of the kingdom, not the whole thing. We rail against God for letting us hurt when he allowed his own son to be beaten beyond recognition for our salvation. Elizabeth Elliot also said, God has never done anything to me that wasn't for me. This is the correct perspective, although it doesn't come easily or naturally to most, including me. I hope you've enjoyed today's Practical Prayer Punch, where we answer your questions about prayer. Some of today's show came from Brooke and I's book called Unraveled, Hope for the Mom at the End of Her Rope. Other parts were from Brooke's book, Praying Mom, Making Prayer, The First and Best Response to Motherhood. You can learn more about both books in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Till next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. What does it mean to pass on the legacy of faith? And how can we help our children understand who Jesus is? Gather the family around this Christmas with a new children's book from best-selling author and my friend, Asherita Chuchu. Unwrapping the Names of Jesus for Kids is a beautifully illustrated and theologically rich retelling of the story of Jesus, our Good Shepherd, the Light of the World, King of Kings, and more. Foster a deeper wonder and love for Jesus in your children's hearts this holiday season. Pick up your copy of Unwrapping the Names of Jesus for Kids when you go to moodybooks.org. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. 
You can connect with other praying women by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or at the Million Praying Moms website where you'll find tools to guide you as a praying mom. And don't forget to download your free copy of my resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children. This quick read will have you praying God's Word for your family within the next couple of hours. Seriously, find all the links you need at MillionPrayingMoms.com. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.